This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Get ready to fall back into good hygiene and impeccable grooming with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code LASERTIME. And welcome to episode 442 of Video Game Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Connor Ritter Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time. Join us at the $20 level. Who else is joining me? Consistently unpleasable fan base, Chris Antista. And canine enthusiast, Matthew Allen. And special guest. A certifiable good boy, <laughs> Greg Moore. <laughs> He's a good boy. He's a good, He's good a, boy. Who's a good boy? We Can are... you pet the Greg? Lacquerware's Gregorman Moore? Unbelievable. The very same. And is there anything that you'd like to plug at the top of the show? Where can people oh, thank hear you. us yeah, more you? In case people peace out before the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I stream games Monday through Thursday and sometimes Fridays at Lacquerware on Twitch. And I'm currently localizing, I'm doing a fan translation of a Sega Saturn game called Bulk Slash. You can uh, follow the hashtag Bulk Slash English if you're into that kind of thing. It's coming yeah, along, we're getting fan. close to the end. So I found it sent you guys some mock-up key art. That was pretty exciting. They like mocked up a case in the back of the oh, case nice. and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's Saturn Dave. He runs the the uh, Saturn fan channel that brought us all together. This team that's working on the project together in the first place. He's great. Um, but yeah, that's hey, I'm Saturn Dave. Fuck Dreamcast Dave. Am I right? <laughs> oh, it's actually the same Dave. Turns out. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> It's going to change the system. Maybe like Dreamcast Dave is, is his boyfriend. Maybe they're like Big John and Little John in Halloween Kills. <laughs> I, was, I was making a reference to Halloween Kills, by the way, with my fan base comments. All the people I know oh. who love horror were oh. so mad at Halloween Kills. And just like, I don't get it. This is awesome. This is I, a- see, that just tells you more about fandoms. Because every casual person out there, I, I saw nothing but good things about that yeah. movie. Yeah. I and mean. I saw nothing but good things in that movie. Actually, you know, it had some problems. But I, sure. I enjoyed it overall. Sure, it's but fun. It's like we're talking about slasher movies here. Like, for fuck's yeah. sake, like this is a little different and evolved it a little, kind of involving the whole town. And I just thought that was dope. Usually, like, every movie makes an excuse to have no cops in it where, like, the cops are fully involved. Um, and, and I, I also saw the studio spoiled the ending already because they announced there's going to be another one, which I'm like, oh, so I guess Michael lives at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah. Are you supposed to die? <laughs> Knowing that this is the Halloween, Halloween 2's Halloween 2. Um, yeah, yes. And there'll be another one. Yeah. But I, I watched that and I was like so fired up afterward and that I was like, I want to keep this going. Let's watch the first Halloween, which I've never seen. Oh, yeah. And right. like, it was like mm-hmm. whiplash. Like, I don't it's, know if it's you, just slower, right? It's not, not only is it slower, it's, it's almost a thriller. Like at, yeah. you, at, on the one hand, you can see it like setting up all these tropes that slasher movies are going to use to define themselves for like the next 20 years. On the other hand, like it is very, like you said, slow, methodical. Michael Myers doesn't kill anybody for most of the movie. And even once the murders start, like he just sort of creeps around for a long time yeah. before he makes a move. 
standing behind yeah, trees. Yeah, super low body count and not all that violent either. No. I mean, it's like not it's not the same like they they made such a thing of like looking forward to the flashy kills and how how creative are they going to make the kills? Halloween doesn't really have any of that. Well, no. not the first 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 one. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to yeah. say I don't know I'm sure there's websites that keep a tally of this thing, but in terms of like those series that basically we saw grow in the 80s I wonder which one started with the highest kill count. I, I bet it's got to be like Texas Chainsaw Massacre from the 70s, right? In terms of no, initial that's, first version. That's yeah, pretty low, too. Just a few people, yeah. And, and I think it's it's probably Jason. It's, I believe last yeah. I looked it was Jason just because he had the most movies. But with this, there are more Halloween movies than there are Jason movies. Oh, oh I just meant the, the initial version of those movies. Oh, and the first I'm not like even the talking over the life of the series. The first movie. I think it's still Friday the 13th. Yeah. Is, is, I feel, I well, I don't, I don't remember how many people die in Texas Chainsaw, but I feel like it's a lot in Friday the 13th. Well, I assume a lot died because of the f- furniture and clothing made of human <laughs> There's flesh. a lot of implied but, you know, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of implied <laughs> A lot of it happened before the movie. Uh, that's why you make prequels. But <laughs> where did the furniture come from? I have to know. But as, as our... And your belt. Love your belt. That, that's, a, that's a nice nipple belt. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, worn by Ed Gein himself. That's a real, that's a real thing. Uh, but a little plug for our last guest, uh, Alex Fasciani is on that, the Chiluminati podcast. Mm-hmm. They just went through a series about Ed Gein, killer, who, you know, is the inspiration of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Great and guy. a lot of other horror movies. But that's where the, he literally made like, Clothing and furniture made of human parts, but anyway, yes. they they just wrapped up uh, number three in that series, and it is they are all good, compelling listens. So check them out. That's the Chiluminati Pod, and thanks as always to Alex for doing the show last week. Yes, thank you. Uh, well, as our top of the show discussion about horror movies and podcasts should uh, clue you in, we're still in the depths of Spooptober, where we. Uh, Make all of our show topics horror themed for the month of October. This is one I've been wanting to do for a while is uh, horror games where you have a canine companion. And this is a a lot rarer than you'd think, I guess, because it's kind of hard to program dog AI that doesn't get in your way and it has a compelling uh, use and presence in the world. But uh, there's something about having a dog along, like, especially if you're a dog owner or a dog lover that, uh, on the one hand, like, a big dog can protect you. Uh, But at the same time, like, dogs are vulnerable and you need to protect the dog also. A dog can get hurt trying to protect you. So you have this sort of give and take of, like, oh, the dog will protect me, but also I'm worried about the dog. What's going to happen to the poor dog? Yeah. You know, it's weird. You you have to sort of play tricks with your own mind to justify that in-game. So I just got done playing Far Cry 6, which very much you you do Hmm. that mental gymnastics of – I love my companion or amigo dogs. They're amazing and I want to protect them. But boy, do I hate all those guard dogs that are out there. And you're like, you can, you can simultaneously be a dog lover and then a a homicidal maniac. I don't even think about it anymore. Those dogs take an arrow to the throat the moment I see them. (laughs) They're the worst. (laughs) I just try to kill them as quickly as possible. Like, I'll just put you out of your misery. I'm also the one creating the misery. We, we do our little spoopy intros. Um, Far Cry 6 actually has a moment that I had to tweet about because I love the audio here. Michael, I just sent you a link. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not scared of anything. I'm a ghost. Spooky. <laughs> okay. What was the music? 
music in the background. <laughs> he's listening to a radio. Okay. He's, uh, he's a guy that's standing next to a graveyard pretending to be a ghost to avoid the military coming after I him. I mean... That would probably work. Wow, you must be further than me. <laughs> Holy shit. I've not but I, but I, I think the scariest thing I just revealed, I rolled a male Danny. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not. Anyway, you regret We were talking about dogs. Hmm. And, yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. And about what how, about dogs are we talking about this, this and, week? And somebody though? always has to get huffy, so I'll, I'll just say, like, no, you should not value the lives of dogs more than the lives of humans, I guess. What fucking Republican idiot is bringing that shit up? Jesus I Christ. Don't know. Did you just both sides a dog loving argument? Like, who cares what they say? Like, <laughs> good <that's>... point. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't. I think the, uh, Michael's manufacturing criticism. I am. I am. I'm just <laughs> inventing straw men out of whole cloth and uh, introducing them into the show, so I have something to get angry at. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing Michael loves more than right wing nuts yelling at him on Twitter. I tell you what, he just loves to create those controversies. Uh-huh. That's why I never tweet. Um, anyway, <laughs> dogs in horror games. Let's just get into it right after this. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't uh, <laughs> carve your pants pumpkins or your Thanksgiving gourd when you're grooming your patch. You know what I mean. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. And this season, get 20% off those grooming needs by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LaserTime. Because, hey guys, just because it's the Halloween season, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like the wolf man. Come on, fellas. There's going to be plenty of sexy costuming afoot, so you got to step up your game a little bit with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin safe technology plus it's waterproof the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop those worst weeds up top in your nose and ears this nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9000 rpm motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes (laughs) seal the deal with the manscaped crop preserver ball deodorant which will have your balls smelling as delicious as pumpkin spice lattes on a chilly autumn morning. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Are you ready to fall head over heels for Manscaped yet? Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. That's one word, LASERTIME. Once again, that's 20% off plus free shipping with the code LASERTIME at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. It's a fall. Ball. Choose Manscaped because your balls will thank you. And we're back to talk about what? Horror Ooh, dogs. Dogs, and dogs in games. horror games. Yes, dogs in horror games. Beginning with... Number five. Today, a new school year begins. This day is not easy for every child, especially if you are the new boy at school, like little Ian. New people to meet new places to explore. It would be simple if not for one small detail. Ian is blind. Luckily, he's not alone. His faithful friend North is always with him to be his eyes. And today, they will need each other more than ever. It says something about how few games there are out there that are horror games and have dog companions that this is number five on our list. But uh, who here has heard of the game called Ian's Eyes? No, what? <clears throat> I I played the first, I want to say, 15 minutes before this podcast as homework. 
but I had not heard of it. It feels like a it feels like someone's game dev like sc- yeah. school project that somehow got onto Steam and is free at least. There's a little I guess Spanish uh, developer called Cindy Games that made this on it says Unity Personal Edition when it starts up. And uh, so I'm guessing made by, you know, one or a small team of people. Their website is completely defunct, but the game's still out there. You can play it. And this, I picked this one in part because it has a really, really interesting concept, which is you are not a blind kid with a guide dog. You are the guide dog. And your job is to guide this eight-year-old blind kid, Ian, out of a school that suddenly becomes infested with zombies. They have sort of limited sight, so you just sort of need to stay as far away from them as possible. Don't trigger them to follow you. Um, you can get them out of the way by barking. Well, actually, one of the most charming things that I thought about the game was that if you just tap the button, he does a little like, like closed mouth bark, like, <laughs> like a <they're> little, <laughs> very cute. <laughs> also, the dog looks kind of like a fucked up deep sea creature. Like it doesn't, it, it sort of looks like a dog. And then you look at it right in the face and like, why are its eyes on the sides of its head? Um, you don't know what dogs look like in Spain. That's Come true. They now. could be completely different. Um, if anyone here would, Michael. Might. Actually, I was going to say, <laughs> you true, might yeah. know what they look like. In Spain. <laughs> I, have, I have seen at least one dog in Spain. It's true. It, isn't it crazy to think he doesn't speak English? I love thinking <laughs> that about dogs when I travel. <laughs> That's a good point. This dog, yeah, dog in Venice speaks Italian. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Only responds to Italian commands. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he won't understand, Camille. The voice acting in this is... Um, compelling in its own way. I'll say that. What's happening, North? Help me! Relax, boy. I'm Principal Bates. Thank God you're safe. Something terrible has happened. (laughs) The students and teachers are acting really strange. We must get out as fast as we can. Quick, come into my office. But the front door is locked. Now we are in trouble. Hmm. Yes. You're my favorite customer. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to go with, what am I fighting for? (laughs) A principal Bates who looks like a lawn gnome without the hat. That was some very room acting by the principal. The kid Mm -hmm. was very channeling Shaggy a little bit. He's like, Scoob, help me out of here. Yeah, a little (laughs) bit. But, uh, I mean, this this is a really neat concept with kind of cute execution, but then it gets frustrating really quickly. Like, it's it's basically just a puzzle game about how to pick a path through these zombies, and then it does things like, we're going to stick the camera in a place that doesn't let you see what's around this corner, but you have to go around the corner to trigger this zombie, and there's like a 50-50 chance that the zombie might just come at you the second you turn the corner, or it might just stand there and let you lure it away. It's, yeah. When the zombies get you, too... There's like there's no like death animation yeah. or anything. It just immediately spits you back out. Yeah, they, oh, they just not very scary. They just grab you and and your your character's like, oh no, anguish, and then it fades to black, and and it c- keeps a tally of the number of deaths that you have with like you know four marks, and then the fifth one scratch goes across. Marks, yeah, sure. scratch marks. The prison, the prison mark. Exactly. Do you, does that eventually like? Is there some re- like consequence if you die too many times? That was the most ominous part I, of the 15 I minutes I played. I think so. I, I do know that the people who have finished it and written about it tend to say, like, I died 650 times, 
<laughs> trying to beat this game eight hours yeah, it's, later. It's just taunting you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a... Yeah, yeah pretty, much. pretty much. Um, You know, to, to its credit, the checkpoints are very forgiving. Like, it, it just sort of, like, puts you at the start of every individual puzzle. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, now I have to go do that and that and that again. So that's that's something. Is it is it taunting you? Because is it like as hard as a cuphead, or is it just the not being able to see zombies thing? You die occasionally. It's, it's that the zombies can behave a little bit unpredictably sometimes. Like it's not always clear like how close or how far away you need the, to stay to avoid triggering them. Yeah, ah. even in the tutorial, there's a moment where it's like bark to distract the zombie, and you bark, and it it like beeline straight for you and will like and it kills you if it touches you so it's, mm-hmm. it's like bark to distract the zombie boom boom yeah boom and you have to repeat but it's like super rapid fire like meat boy yeah and a, and a lot if, of it is um like if you you bark you have to quickly get out of the way and if you get like hung up on a desk or other piece of furniture yeah. then you'll you'll just be completely stuck just like in real life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the yeah the deaths are you know pretty rapid fire like 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 greg said like you come back immediately so uh, you know, it's it's a it's a very interesting idea that I'd I'd like to see handled by maybe a bigger team. It feels more like a, a prototype or a proof of concept as it is. Wish it would have been around for our playable dogs episode. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it's free. I, it's, sorry. Yeah, it's free on Steam. But I will say, when I ran it, I have an RTX thirty eighty, and like it has a light on it that shows like. Oh, what what temperature is this running at? And I looked over, and it's like bright red. So it's like this Whoa. this graphically not very impressive game is uh, <laughs> causing my graphics my high end graphics card to run at a very high temperature. Did you say that game was built in Unity? Like yes, it's, it's <laughs> like that's yeah, Unity my, is trying your your PC. My mm. fans were going to super mode come to think of it ian's eyes right Mm -hmm. probably not a crypto miner (laughs) god bless you Mm, sorry ian's eyes anyway um but yeah it's it's a neat game it's it's free what do you want for nothing moving on (laughs) number four Not a lot of great sounds in this one. Um, it's not Silent Hill's secret ending. Could have been any one of these, yeah. <laughs> yeah, strangely, no. I mean, it's a game that seems to take clear inspiration from Silent Hill. This is a game called Claire, a 2D kind of retro-styled pixel art horror game where you play as this young woman named Claire who wakes up from a nightmare about her childhood in a hospital where her mother is dying and she leaves to get some coffee and... While she's leaving, something happens and the hospital becomes overrun by these shadow creatures and she's trapped by them and then is rescued by this dog that shows up who is apparently her childhood dog named Anubis. He's a German shepherd and he follows you around everywhere, but he doesn't actually do a whole lot except that uh, when you enter a room where there's monsters or if a monster suddenly enters a room that you are in, which happens pretty frequently, he will let you know about it. So yeah, he he growls. So, you know, like, okay, I better keep moving or else the shadow people are going to get me. Um, is, he, is the dog named Anubis for a reason? Is that some foreshadowing to the plot and what's going on? Well, you do have a, see a flashback where she meets him as a little girl and she, she goes to a shelter and 
Uh, it gets increasingly creepy and Silent Hilly and depressing the further you go in. And she finds like a bundle in a bag sitting on an exam table. And she's like, oh, where are you taking him? And it's like, well, we don't really have money to keep this one around. So he's he's about he's marked for death and like, no, don't kill him. I'll adopt him. Uh, you Aww. have pointy ears. I'll call you Anubis. And oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, it, it it is hinted that Anubis may be a figment of her imagination. He just sort of disappears at certain points. But uh, mm. I mean, you know, yeah. I know who the actual Anubis was and mm. Uh, mm. The setup of this game. And mm. yeah, Claire's trying to save souls. It seems I see. Mm -hmm. I see what's mm -hmm. going on mm -hmm. here. But uh, an interesting feature that I wanted to draw attention to for you Gen Xers out there is at the beginning of the game, Claire is having a dream about being a little girl, having a dream about her favorite TV show, which has this theme music. Yeah, I think Chris got it exactly, but uh, for those in the audience who don't know that music. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring, faithful and friendly with stories to share. All through the forest they sing out in chorus, marching along as their song fills the air. Gummy bears bouncing here and there and just cut it off there. It, this feels wait, this so plays in the game? No. Well, it, it's a sound-alike version. It's like, yeah, I think, I I think they say. just like adjusted upward a few notes, but it's very close. The dialogue in the dream she has seems to be more Care Bears, like Blue Harmony Bear. Hey, guys, stop fighting. Shut up, you. Uh, you know. That song sounds like if a first-year English major was asked to write a song to the tune of one of the demos at your key on a keyboard, you mm -hmm. know, like, here, write a song <laughs> of this. Welcome to the 80s, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Songwriting for children was not an advanced art form. Yeah, especially when you're given such great creative notes, like from Michael Eisner, like, my kids likes gummy bears. Make that. Yeah. <laughs> what, the it's candy? My yeah. Mind. They, they were in the parks, and I'm mm -hmm. like, this show wasn't on the air that many years. It like, was. They were in the parks... Almost as a skeletal remains of themselves. So they had the Disney afternoon, yeah. you know, Avenue. block. And they, yeah, they built this part of Disneyland. But then the gummy bears got added to an existing ride, little like boat ride that was kind of like Autopia, but with boats. Terrible. But then like that ride shut down not too long after that. And those gummy bear signs were just like up in the ride for years because no one could see them. And I'm just like, they're they're here. They're here in the park somewhere. Oh, yeah, we got to go see if we can find them. I think they obliterated all that, the, the boat speedway or whatever that was yeah i think they since have um but for a while there it was just a, a grotto where people went to smoke it, like That's it was just I like this huge smoke. pier it's the yeah, only yeah, place to smoke in disneyland out. put the gummy bears in the grotto yeah. that's where they belong that Daddy and what is now juice. the entrance to star wars land are the two smoking areas i can remember from disneyland hmm. yeah. like that's basically where the entrance to galaxy's edges is, is where the smoking section used to be where may that's i partake weird. my death sticks 
<laughs> I had forgotten that it was a Disney property to begin with, and I've been playing through all the Kingdom Hearts games for the first time. Why? Yeah, it, yeah. Dawned, it dawned on me at like the end of Kingdom Hearts 2. It's like, oh, this whole gummy ship thing? Is that yeah. a gummy ship? Yeah, bears? the gummy ship is from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Refer- that's weird. It's like the that's like it's super weird now. critical to the whole series. <laughs> well, it's even weirder cons- like when you're in 3. Like if you're playing Kingdom Hearts three and you're like this came out like two years ago no one's heard of the gummy bears in over a de- two decades <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably and also in the game it's not gummy bears it's gummy ships that yeah, yeah, have yeah. no resemblance to anything but in the show how did disney ever decide like yes we want to do a show based on a candy yeah. And it has nothing to do with the candy. Yeah. We've <laughs> I don't now think talked they about they had to license that, did they? The fam- they didn't. Uh, they didn't. I think they changed they changed just enough. We've we've now because talked I- about gummy bears way more than we've talked about Claire. Which oh, okay. is well, probably more okay time because with gummy bears than Claire. <laughs> what That's the hell is <laughs> Claire? Hmm? Just kidding. What, was the said, what the hell is Claire? No yeah, Claire is fighting along as we talk about Claire. <laughs> so, how, I mean, so I watched a bunch of a playthrough on YouTube, and it mm-hmm. seems like the dog is pretty like superficial in that. Yeah, but it, it is always like, there. It is following you constantly, and it's it's one of those horror games where like you're kind of defenseless. Your your main defense is to just run away. Um, the monsters, for the most part, are pretty slow, except for like a big one that sometimes comes out and stalks you, and then you can you you have to hide, like you have to jump into a vent or something and escape. Um, but but yeah, it's all like, oh, is this a really a hospital that's been overrun by demons, or is there something more? What is really going uh, on in Claire's I, mind? I, I want to know more about this superficial dog Greg's talking about. What are we talking here? Like a bitchy Bichon? Like mm-hmm. kind of like a finicky poodle? A superficial dog, right? Like, <laughs> a, a, a bitchy what? Bichon? Bichon Frise? Hello? Oh. Don't you know your dog breeds, man? No. <clears throat> I have a cat. You guys it's are making me. White. You guys are making they're me like miss little my white dog. indoor toy dogs. Oh. They're they're like, like I didn't just lose poodle. a dog. God, God no. you're so cruel. Yeah. Who, even worse, is still alive and just not here. (laughs) You lost him in the divorce. I lost him in the divorce. You got to write a country song. Isn't that a requirement when you lose a dog Every day I miss you, Biscuit. I'm not going to be able to do this. So let's move along. (laughs) Number three. have much more to say about brown who's in which game anybody know rule of rose rule of rose correct is that the this ladies dog, wrestling game yeah without wish. spoiling what's <laughs> left on the list i feel like this dog gets the award for cutest on the list yeah, yeah it's he's, very cute what is this a yellow lab i think so yeah or or a brown lab i guess possibly he has a fuzzy but, head yeah. yeah but he he looked like a yeah he looked like a blonde dog i thought mm-hmm. it was an ironic name yeah so this is a game, uh, I actually reviewed this for Games Radar back in like 2006. Yeah. And, uh, while I don't agree with everything I wrote now, like, I remember really not liking it at the time. And trying to go back and play it again, thinking like, maybe I gave this short shrift because, uh, you know, I've, I've heard people say like, oh no, this is really great. Like, it is, very cryptic and hard to understand. And I think I had to look up like Wikipedia for like an interpretation of what is really going on mm. and not to get too spoilery, but yeah, what you're seeing is like this very dreamlike disjointed narrative where events seem to happen out of order. And it seems to involve a grown woman named Jennifer who stumbles into an orphanage in the dead of night. And this orphanage is run by these psychotic children 
that make her do all these uh, various tasks and and things and and put her you like bully her, put her through all these tortures, and the whole time she just sort of uh, it, it, like is very cringy, like keeps her hand at her chest at all times, like even when she's armed with something, shuffles around, <laughs> and and is is just sort of like this non entity of a character. So the redeeming thing about her is that she rescues this dog that's been tied up by these awful kids named Brown and, and Brown then will follow her around and he doesn't exactly protect her, but he will, for example, distract enemies during combat. The, the enemies in question being these little child sized imp creatures that, uh, creep out of the shadows every so often then you have to stab them with a fork or a knife uh brown will bark at them to get their attention away from you but he can be hurt unlike a lot of the dogs on this list so you have to you know shoo him away before he takes too much damage if they decide to start kicking his ass this is a i think one of the more original horror games i've ever seen it's like i can't think of another game like it even though it uses the same dog concept as most of the other games on this list but it's like like those, the, I, I, again, I watched it on YouTube because it costs like seven bajillion dollars now to get a copy. Mm. It's really creepy. Like uh, I'll never look at a rat on a stick the same way again. <laughs> oh yeah, that <laughs> scene was gross. And, I'll uh, never have to see Demolition Man again. Really <laughs> unconventional enemy designs. I, are the, I don't know if these are the imps you were talking about. I saw mm-hmm. something that was very. I'm gonna describe it like these cone-shaped, hoppy things. They're creeping mm. me out. I'm not sure. Well, I do know that. So there, you have the imps, which look like uh, if the the person from Edward Munch's uh, The Scream like came to life and started Ooh. chasing you around and was yeah, like, yeah, they look like little tall. Jack Skellingtons, kind of, yeah, They're like little mini Jack and, Skellingtons. And then they'll wear like costumes. Sometimes they'll wear like animal heads, and those will give them more height. And I seem to remember I wrote something about like giant bird costumes, and uh, so maybe maybe you saw one of those. I don't know. Yeah, I remember something bird-like. It reminded me of Spy vs. Spy. Mm, yeah, you just yeah. you just confusing it with Bird Lady from Kids in the Hall because we could we could talk Bird Lady if you want to talk. Bird Lady. No. He looks like Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice. That that character he I, makes. I think if if I'm remembering right, they have like giant beaks that they they try to like slam their heads on the ground and impale you on. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what I. Yeah, yeah. And the kids are creepy. It's, it has sort of a Lord of the Flies vibe. Yeah. And like, yeah, there, there are adults in this orphanage, but they, you know, look at Jennifer and just say like, oh, you dirty wretch. Why aren't you doing your chores? And then later on tend to turn into bosses and you have to fight them and they're all fucked up and weird. And, uh, if I'm going to spoil it a little bit, this is all sort of this person, Jennifer, trying to process traumatic childhood memories it's, it's usually something like that it's basically always something like that or zombies <laughs> yeah so so th- you know there there's a reason that she seems you know always afraid even though she's like roughly twice as big as everything that torments her because internally she's still a child just reliving her trauma and trying mm. to piece together what happened in her past and you know it's it's a very sad story ultimately between her and and her dog brown that uh that she totally depends on and it's an interesting play the mm-hmm. to incorporate a dog partner in a horror game and i wonder where that came from because it is like even though it's 
it's not like there are a ton of games out there that do it, but there were a few from around the same time that did it. And I wonder if it's a response to some issue that designers kept coming up with in games where maybe, cause I feel like when you have a dog, like dogs immediately make the game less scary mm-hmm. because one, they're adorable Two, They protect you. And they're three, horror, you want to protect horror, them. They're horror detectors. Yeah. What was that? They, yeah. They it's will like, bark yeah, it having, a, having a thing that will like tell you when something is in danger and will bite it for you. And meanwhile, you want to protect it. So your protective instinct kicks in and then you're not as scared. Uh, but it is a thing for games to be too scary and and then people don't want to play them, right? Like, pe- mm. apparently that was a thing with RE7 that they had to sort of rethink with RE8. They made it less scary because they, apparently they got a bunch of feedback that 7 was too scary and people yeah. couldn't go through with it. It just makes me wonder. Maybe maybe this was their answer at the time to that issue. It's like, well, people like there's a bunch of people that won't play this whole genre because it's too scary, but they would play it if you had a pupper. I, I bet that's part of it. My theory when you first said that was that people are getting stuck because they can't find our items. What do we do? How about <laughs> we give them an animal that can find items? <laughs> Something about the repetitiveness of that bark that's just like, okay, now it's just an effect on a keyboard. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, when one starts cutting the other off because you're pressing it so fast. Like, mm-hmm. whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, yeah. But Bran, Bran can find items for you. He's he's a very useful dog. He he earns his keep, even though you don't actually feed him or do anything to him. And he's with you for the majority of the game. So, um, it yeah, it, it is one of the things that makes Rule of Rose really interesting. And it is it is a fascinating game overall. Maybe not like if you are looking for a survival horror experience that's gonna surprise you and be fun like it it sort of falls flat because uh, it's it's not exactly scary it's just relentlessly creepy and then like a lot of the stuff that you're doing is just like all right go around these maze-like environments and and find items over and over again to, to you know give to the the red crayon aristocrats so that they'll uh, they'll give you some accolade or other. Jennifer has brought a wonderful gift to the Aristocrat Club. Now you can have your very own red crayon. <laughs> Hats off to you. Hats off to you. Always, always gets creepy. But ladies and gentlemen, the aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the PS2 weird factor that I think is increasingly appealing to people in hindsight when mm-hmm. you look at what the PS2 represents. Yeah, you know the, the notion that such a game got made in the first place feels like a miracle. It's kind point. of baffling. Like, how did yeah. this happen? Like, yeah, I, I really want like a, like a serious. How did this get made? To go into like, <laughs> well, isn't it's isn't it like some of the people that uh, made games like Tulip and? Oh, that could be yeah. Moon Wouldn't Onion Games, me. huh? 
Possibly. I feel like I heard that recently and was surprised. Let's say we, yes. Someone look that up. Let us know in the comments. Hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, Rule of Rose. It's sort of all over the place. It's just a very bizarre experience and uh, yeah like the the children are this group of other orphan girls who have like a very straightforward hierarchy where like oh this girl is the queen and these girls are nobility and then you're like the the common bourgeoisie or a poor beggar and jennifer is a beggar and we don't like jennifer what a filthy girl go away filthy girl until you can bring us a nice prize and improve your rank otherwise we'll fucking bury you alive which they do <laughs> that happens that's that that actually caused a lot of controversy before the game came out because people saw like there is a scene of the main character being buried alive by these little girls. And they thought like, this is a game about burying school children alive. And it like <laughs> created a huge controversy, especially like in the UK. And I guess it never came out in the UK, even though like the, the ratings board like reviewed it and said like, no, that's nonsense. There's nothing like this in the game. It's fine. I guess it just hit a very raw tabloid nerve over there. But, um, it was the yeah. style at the time. Mm -hmm. Did you get to keep your review copy? Um, I don't think I had a, but what I had was like a, like a silver disc, like one uh, of the pre-release review copies, but man, that would be worth a lot if I had one. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet that's worth even more. Yeah. I bet it's not. No, it's, it's, no. it's worth, well, oh, the, the, the review game copy is probably worth, not. Yeah. Yeah. I, but <laughs> otherwise we're sitting on a treasure trove of PSP games. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the retail <laughs> copy is, is like hundreds of dollars now. Yeah. Um, and and I'm I'm hoping that that was the case and that I never had a box copy and somehow sold it because that would just be very bad. It's very <laughs> unlike you to sell or even let anybody borrow your game. So that's true. Nobody asks. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Anyway, I feel like there's a game that you were struggling not to mention, Greg. And uh, <laughs> let's let's just jump ahead to it right now. Number two. You saved me. What's your name? Huey? So you're Huey. Well, hi, Huey. As a dog owner, I appreciate the realism of Huey's constantly clicking toenails on every surface. On. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, Capcom's apology for traumatizing everyone with dogs in hmm. Resident Evil. Hmm. Haunting yeah. Ground. Yeah, Haunting Ground, which I didn't realize was originally envisioned as Clock Tower 4. Uh, it feels if, like it. it. It very much feels like it. Uh, if you've never played uh, Clock Tower, people out there, it is a game about being mostly helpless and running from uh, Scissor Man or from a series of increasingly deadly serial killers uh, who, like, your only real defense is to run and or hide. So this one is about this woman, Fiona, who wakes up in this mysterious castle wearing nothing but bed sheets and has to find her way to safety and is like greeted by this, these weird people and like, Oh, here are some clothes you may wear. Uh, I hope they fit you. And then almost immediately is chased by this huge ogre like man who, uh, 
you know, thinks that she's just like a big version of his dolly and wants to play mm-hmm. with her and squeeze her. And it's, Love you know, two pieces. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Wow, so, the dog actually makes the cover art here. That's what yeah, I think really he, drives it. He's home. very important. You don't you don't actually get him for like an hour, hour and a half, something like that. You have to play for a while, totally defenseless. Uh, but then he eventually comes to your rescue after you free him from the outdoors. Like he's he's tied to a, a tree and and half dead. So you you let him go, and he scampers off, and then comes back when. That that creepy man is menacing you and and barks at him and attacks him and gets him to leave, but uh, yeah, Huey like, uh, and and it's it's weird like the the way that the feeling of that game shifts when you get the dog because like now you actually have a defense. It's like finding your first gun in Resident Evil, and it doesn't actually yeah. like you can't kill your pursuers, but you can like slow them down, stun them. And uh, unlike Brown in Rule of Rose, they will never attack Huey. You know, makes yeah, it feel well, a little bit better. I was I was like getting I was playing this last night and getting kind of stuck. And I read I was reading a guide that said he can take damage, hmm. but I don't know how. I've never seen him yeah, come I into any harm at all. There are very specific circumstances where like the pursuers will attack Huey, but it's usually it doesn't happen. And like to the point where. Uh, you can hide somewhere and he'll just be hanging out right next to you out in the open, clearly visible. And the stalkers won't take notice of him at all. <laughs> They'll just be like walking around like, oh, where is she? I guess she's in the next room. I'll just walk away from her dog now. Um, yeah, that, he kind of happens in modern games still. Though. <laughs> it's like as long as you're hidden, people yeah. usually don't. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, like The Last of Us did that was doing that same thing where Ellie oh, yeah. can just like run right past the clickers. <laughs> yeah. <don't> yeah. <laughs> Well, can you right. imagine if if uh, you had to start over every time the computer oh, fucked up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Whenever I see that in those games, I just can't help but think of like extras on the set of a TV show trying not to get captured live on camera <laughs> as they're like picking up like wiring. Like, ah! it's okay. The audience isn't programmed to notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Man, the cover of this game just looks like a Disney Lifetime movie. You got like a dog looking off into the mm-hmm. near distance and a worried owner over his shoulder. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, this was called Demento in Japan. Yeah, I wonder why they changed. I'm Doctor Demento. It doesn't feel like haunting ground, haunting ground is a particularly apt name for a game about creeps chasing you. Like it, you know, it's, it's because it's it's hunting ground. You're being hunted, but haunting to show that it's horror. See, it, it's a very good name, but it's it's one of those that's like still vague enough where it looks generic where you're never going to remember the name. You're like, uh, you know, it's that game about the two concepts that I associate together, but I can't think of the, you know, mm-hmm. the exact name for it. It's- yeah. And and this was one that like, I think I, I tried to play it a little bit when it first came out in like 2005 and then ignored it for years and picked it up again for, to, for research for this show. And like, I'm going to give it a serious go now and played it for a few hours. And it's like, Oh fuck, this is really good. Like once you get past the strangeness of being defenseless, like yeah, this is this is a really fun survival horror game. Almost like Capcom has some kind of knack for these. It's yeah. I mean, I, I had kind of mixed feelings last night because I think it's cool how they it's got that like Swiss cheese design. You guys mm. ever hear that term? Like when they talk about Hitman and the levels no. all have like multiple entrances and exits that kind oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. pass no, sure, by yeah. each other. So, uh, which I think is important in a game where you're constantly being chased, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I did find that 
it felt like in a game where you're trying to explore to to like figure out the next step forward uh having this creep like come derail you every five minutes to like chase you back the way you came and sometimes i don't know about you but like i found that sometimes i was running from this guy for like five straight minutes and by yeah, the time so I, it's metroid dread this re- game is just metroid dread well yeah. i think the, they're more relentless than the emmys because you can't shake them just by leaving the area I yeah they're you- all it's 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 one of the most like f- like fully committed executions of that stalker enemy concept where it really is like anywhere in the castle they can they can show up as far as I can tell. Yeah. There's there's um, like a few rooms that are that are actually safe that they can't go mm-hmm. into but those are rare. But I I found that by the time I shook him off me I like couldn't remember how to get back where I was going and that like mm. kept happening and it was like man like it, and, and that on top of the fact that the guy the, I think there are probably multiple stalkers over the course of the game, but I've only gotten... Yeah, there are. I'm, I'm still stuck on Debilitas, who's, like, mm-hmm. the first guy. He's not scary to me. He's, like, he's... You know who he reminds me of? Uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas, the big dopey guy who goes, Bunny! Mm. <laughs> like, that big oaf. Hey, hey, yeah. respect my Debilitas, Greg. Respect it. <laughs> well, like, the... His his catchphrase eventually becomes like every time he busts onto this, he's like, "My darling," and then he chases you around. Yeah, so he's it's like just... a he's like a big misguided sweetheart. Yeah, like <laughs> I I did find him scary in two thousand five, but playing it now, it's just like, nah, he's not, he's not scary, and and it helps that it's just like, well, he's not actually trying to kill you. He's like he's the one stalker in the game that isn't evil. Yeah, he's, although... he just doesn't know his own strength. Yeah, it's, he's he, a he mice and men. He's death, a walking though. version of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he will absolutely beat you to death, but he won't necessarily mean. He thinks he's playing. Yeah. He's hugging you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, and and uh, yeah, the, this game is kind of weird. Like, if you know anything about alchemy, like it gets into a bunch of stuff about homunculi and uh, Azoth and uh, various other terms that I'm only vaguely familiar with. But uh, it, that, it that leans would explain into the a alchemical. lot of that shit. So this, there's a symbol on the cover. I'm like, what? Why is so? The al- alchemy explains that symbol that's behind the logo. So there you yeah, go. probably. So. Yeah, you like pick up these medallions that I guess you like smelt into items. But it's mm-hmm. funny because you, you're like picking up only if you dealt in items. You're, you're <laughs> like picking up these medallions in this mystical castle, and some of them will be like if you look at their descriptions, it'll be like used to make dog items. <laughs> it's yeah. like, so I'm <laughs> using this medallion to like make a dog treat for later. Hell yeah! Why do they have these? Using a very difficult mini game that involves color matching. <laughs> if you can time your button presses to make colors stick. Uh, kind of, kind of tricky, but yeah, like, well, talking about the homunculus stuff, like a homunculus in alchemy is like an artificial human being. And the second stalker actually is like this maid that's introduced to you as she's, she's like weirdly cold blooded and expressionless. And then, uh, she's like watching you eat later and she's like, yeah, I can't taste anything or feel pain. I'm incomplete. I'm an incomplete woman, and then like starts laughing maniacally, and uh, yeah, eventually she like breaks a, a shard off of it, like smashes a mirror, breaks off like a huge sword-sized shard, and starts chasing you with it. the The goal of uh, cutting out certain parts to make herself complete. So yeah, just stay the fuck away from this person. I think I've met this at person. all costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Side note, the homunculus, the Japanese movie on Netflix, mm-hmm. check that out. Not very related, but it has the same name. <laughs> nice. What's it about? It's a it's about a guy who undergoes an operation called trepanation, where they drill oh. a hole into his skull. Nice. And it it makes it so when he covers one eye, he hallucinates uh, that people look like weird surreal things, and it's based. It's like him, in, like subconsciously summing up like their body language and what they're wearing, and like making an assumption about who they are, and then that's symbolizing in this surreal manifestation. It's cool. That's Instagram. Yeah. That's Instagram. And it's the it's the director of uh, Juon. Oh, that's Rudge. cool. Yeah, neat. I was going to ask Greg for some horror recommendations. Keep them coming. Well, here's oh, another one for you. One. Come on, Bullet. Let's see if we can find a way to contact Sheriff Lanning. <laughs> it looks like they've started without us, huh? Yeah, let's get moving. Uh, any guesses what this is? Dog's uh, name is Bullet. Oh, uh, Blair Witch. Yes, Blair Witch. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. From um, the makers of Layers of Paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bloober Team, Layers of Fear and Medium, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, they are not paying us to include their games, I promise. But uh, Blair Witch, you know, based very loosely off the movies, came out a few years ago. Chris is leaving. And... Uh, it involves a police officer who in the 90s, like a couple of years after the, the kids disappear in the first Blair Witch movie, uh, goes out to aid in the search for a nine-year-old kid who's gone missing. And he brings his dog, Bullet. And uh, not very far in, like Bullet proves his worth by being able to sniff out a trail through the increasingly dense dark woods. It's probably Peters. Maybe Bullet can catch a scent. Come here, boy. You know what to do, buddy. Just like in training. Good boy. Now, you'd do great on the force if you weren't so stubborn. Um, All right, Blair Witches, Bullets, anyone standing in corners, just staring at corners? Yes! But that happens much later in the game. Yeah, they do. They do. And they play it in a way that I guess there was a more recent Blair Witch movie, like, I want to say 2014, 26, something, I don't know. Um, But Mm -hmm. it uh, it did something similar. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, you just just when it tells you to look in the corner, do not look away from the corner. Um, mm. But yeah, so Bullet is is a very cute German Shepherd. He he was your canine when your main character was was in a, a police officer, but you're now a former police officer because you've had a series of incidents in your police and previous military careers that uh, you will end up reliving as you go deeper into the Burkittsville woods. You, you'll have these weird war flashbacks, and uh, it, it comes to light that, uh, yeah, you've uh, you've killed some people you should not have killed. They were bad snap judgments, and your character has internalized that and uh, tortures himself about it relentlessly, and that, uh, that self-hatred manifests as hallucinatory imagery around you and uh it also sort of mixes in with the various actual threats that lurk around the woods uh which most of which are these sort of shadowy tree creatures that you can scare away by shining a flashlight at them and bullet among other things will warn you when they're near that's our stuff buddy 
right. They may have had creatures scared away by light, but did they have a Duracell endorsement? Ha ha. Yeah. Alan Wake still got yeah, him, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, it doesn't let you follow up by... Maybe it does let you follow up by shooting them. It's been a while since I played this. I think this is easily the scariest game on the list. Yeah. Um, but it, it... Like, which I think makes the dog feel all the more, like, integral because it really mitigates the fear, I mm-hmm. think. And it, it feels like... You really have to cling to that dog's presence because it's so scary. Yeah. Uh, and out, out of all the games on this list, like I feel like you're most dependent on the dog here because it doesn't just help protect you. It also helps you find a path that like, you know, mm. you, it lets you know which way to go is the right way. And you, you have to follow it constantly. And, you know, uh, I guess spoilers Bad things can happen to the dog. Later in the game, you will start getting calls on your your walkie-talkie from the supposed abductor slash murderer who uh, has made this nine-year-old kid disappear and whose trail you're on and who, who you'll frequently see in, like, these camcorder videos that you find scattered around the woods. And uh, he, he, he uh, directs you to a mysterious bundle in which you'll find a gun... And then he calls you with instructions. Kill the dog. Bury it. What? Oh, fuck you, no! Oh, it'll be quick. Think about it, I could have left you a knife. No, I will not kill Bullet! But this... This is where you draw the line, a fucking dog. Yeah, See, not all those Michael was talking about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not all those humans you killed, but yeah, all the... I'll, I'll kill a, a, a shoot a kid, but uh, a dog? No, never. Not bullet. He's Certain far lines too you don't cute. cross in horror, man. You mm-hmm. just can't. You can't kill kids or dogs. Yeah, that's true. Or, or if you do, only one of those. You can't mm-hmm. be that bad. That'd be pure evil. Yeah, it's funny because that like lots of horror games have you, or not even just horror games. Lots of games have you kill dogs. <laughs> it's like a really common enemy type. But yep. yeah. th- these games that have like a dog companion, it does feel like that's like they're safe. I guess because you figure it's a core gameplay element. They're not just gonna well, they're, let them they're die. good dogs, Greg. It's, there's it's there's like bad that, dogs and it's good. Not like dogs. They can kill your gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that um, I mean, bullet is also again. I I won't get too spoilery, but uh. One of the most harrowing and memorable parts of this game that actually drives you to make a moral choice in a way that I haven't really seen since Metal Gear Solid. B- Bullet is at the center of it, and uh, it, it Blair Witch is kind of worth the price of admission just for that alone, so I'm not going to say any more. But I will say, this came out again as a VR version. That oh, uh, gosh. I, earlier this year, actually, just a few months ago. And so I, I tried playing a little bit and I didn't make it very far because uh, guess what? Uh, I'm not used to wearing VR goggles and the Oculus Quest is now kind of uncomfortable after a while. Oh, but yeah. uh, it is it is good and creepy. The game itself is like, yeah, actually, this is pretty scary. I don't know if I really want to put myself through this in VR where I'm surrounded by it and don't have an easy escape, you know, except for pulling off yeah. the goggles or pausing it. Yeah, I never did that in Resident Evil 7 for that reason. It's like, yeah, it scared me enough on its own. Yeah, I did the, the so VR much. demo and got terrified, so I'm good. Yeah. I don't need to play yeah. through a whole horror game. Well, I mean, also like Resident Evil 7, um, it does the thing where like, yeah, just take a close look at some of the vegetation. And once you realize like, oh, it's like two flat layers at an angle from <laughs> each other, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you become a little bit less afraid of your environment. I was going to say, though, that I think last week, you guys were talking about how Dead Space was sort of this 
like the tech had got had caught up to the point where they could finally do like a compelling space uh mm-hmm. setting um and how that was like the exciting thing of dead space uh i've i've like taken note lately of video game forests cuz i realized that that's probably mm. one of the harder environments to do convincingly cuz yeah. it's a bunch of yeah. objects a lot of polygons. Yeah. yeah. Um and I th- I feel like they're sort of they've sort of gotten to that point and I was watching a playthrough of this game yesterday and I was like, man, these woods look so uh it, it's the most immersive looking forest that I can remember seeing in a game. I feel like that would be It's not just a bunch of uh polygonal trees holding up a translucent PNG of leaves. Yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah, it looked very immersive. It looked like it it would feel like you're actually wandering in the woods, which I would imagine would be overwhelmingly terrifying (laughs) well i mean it's a very dense forest which video games don't do a whole lot and uh i if i'm remembering right like it gets dark pretty quickly and it's not because of the time of day it's because of how dense the trees are around you that they are actually blotting out the light and yeah making it sort of hard to navigate but but yeah it's it is it is a really convincing forest uh it's it's surprisingly big one with lots of creepy old things to discover dilapidated shacks and old uh lumber or mining camps and uh yeah you guys want to feel a little case of time dilation mm-hmm. uh, and in covid time this game mm-hmm. was announced e3 2019 it feels like a wow. decade ago that this game <laughs> wow. was announced yeah it feels point. it feels like a decade ago i let my game pass copy expire without ever firing it up <laughs> yeah, exactly was that i think i got it free from like because i feel like the movie was more recent than it feels too right uh i feel like this it was thing... a few years after the movie it was yeah. I mean, it was it was built to... I had, but then the move that movie had that super fun thing where like they lied about what it was called until like they showed it to an audience at a comic-con like this is actually a Blair Witch movie it had a trailer I think under a different title. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, So Blair Witch, the movie was 2016. This was 2019. So, Mm. but it, it feels more like, even though it follows the events of the first movie, like two years later, it feels much more tied to the 2016 movie, like right to up to what happens when you have to turn and face the corner and not look away on pain of death. Um, Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. She's, she'll be there if you turn around. And you see her in this game, right? Like, she looks no. pretty nasty. No, no, you never really see her? You never see her. You see these things that look like they might be her. That They're, they're these strange, like, uh, quivering tree monsters that, like, move really fast and get scared away by your flashlight. They're the guys that were shaking the tent in the movie. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably who was coming after them. But yeah. that is the lowest budget, lowest rent, but probably most effective scene in that first movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, stand outside and put your hands on our tent for a while and shake it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's all they did. That was the yeah. special. And effect. it's, it's funnier if you realize that like, yeah, it was just that movie was like, they, they had like their GPS path through the woods and the directors were also on the same path, but staying hidden and would yep. come out at night to torment them. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Which is weird. I bet on like a larger screen, you could probably see them now. A couple of those scenes where they run from from something running next to them, like it's mm-hmm. just the directors. Yeah, <laughs> directors, and, and I think like ref, like white reflective pajamas or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do love that movie. I'm afraid yeah. to watch it again. Uh, it's. I think I feel like I watched it a little while ago, and it's not bad. Um, no, I, I, I dug it. Yeah, and like this is not the first Blair Witch video game. 
by the way. Yeah. There, there was a trilogy of them. A rich history of terrible games. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> I guess I guess they were they were all handled by different teams, mm-hmm. and so I think like the first one is maybe the good one because it was like a spinoff of a different game called Nocturne, and uh, it was actually like one of the characters from that game investigating the Rustin Parr murders in the fifties, and so yeah that that was kind of neat. But um, sounds very much like the original Blair Witch movies. The first one was mm-hmm. good. The rest handled by different teams, yep. not really as good. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And and I think like this. The game even acknowledges that the terrible Blair Witch Book of Shadows with like, oh, yeah, no, you can you have camcorder powers and can rewind your environment or something like that. That's just life is strange. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. can't be stealing from other games. Yeah. But anyway, I love I love Bullet. I love the dog in this. Um, and I love the way that uh, it, it utilizes them and, and uh, in compelling ways. But uh, anyway, that has been our top five top five horror games with dogs. Um, this was actually a really fun one to research, even if all the games weren't quite that much fun. But uh, on that note, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. I've been backing at my Get scratching. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And then my absolute favorite thing I'd never heard of until Michael put it in this doc. The Flintstones colon Burger Time and Bedrock. I wanted to find more trademark screens, but this is very much the arcade classic Burger Time. Yep. Done with me. Yep, pal, Fred. And he beats up, he beats up like the Great Gazoo as if he's an enemy. But it is like a, a much slower Burger Time with a story. You know what they don't have? What they didn't shell out for? The Flintstones theme. But the Flintstones theme they came up with for Flintstones Burger Time in Bedrock is one of the most sublime and melancholy things I've ever heard. It's there, yeah, this man. is a, this is sadder. Like <laughs> like if Wilma leaves Fred, this is what this is what he's driving through with the in the middle of the movie. He's driving through the rain. Flintstones meet the Flintstones. <laughs> that is like. Am I really not attentive enough for Wilma? I'm too old to move on. <laughs> So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 302010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! 
welcome back to our final segment. All you good boys and good girls ready for your treat, which you will get in the form of... That's good. That wasn't creepy at all, Michael. Good. good. Appropriately yeah, enough to our theme, The Good Life came out uh, last Friday, I think, and uh, we've, we've had a chance to play it a bit. Not to be confused with the black and white David Letterman produced show for HBO. I can find no record for having existed. Or the indie band from the early aughts that I was into for like five seconds. The good life. Wow. Yeah. Or a kid's game, which is yeah, one of the it, things I want to say about this game. game. Uh, this game looks like a kid's game when yeah, you see this, it. It's, it's cartoony key art and everything, and it's, it, so, yeah, so this you have is, to find the rating. Uh, Swery's latest, the, yes. the developer yes. behind uh, the Deadly Premonition games, D4, a bunch of other stuff, and uh, it was, I think, kickstarted a bunch of years ago, and mm. is, is finally out, and uh, in, if you if you have Game Pass, you now have access to it, and it's uh, weird. It's difficult to pin down exactly what this is from a few hours of play. It feels like, in some ways, like an extension of Deadly Premonition, in that it is a murder mystery. It is also sort of a life simulator where you're in this town and you're like, it's a big open world English village and you yeah. are given various photography quests to complete. So it, it, you know, feels like a photography game, but also a little bit like Animal Crossing. There's all these, you know, unique individuals that you can meet and talk to in the town. And, uh, so, and, but the, the main character is, so she's this New York photojournalist who, for whatever reason, owes like a 30 million pound debt to this English news agency. Oh it's and Squid Game Time Lady. Don't try yeah. and put they, they send her out on assignment like she's some sort of indentured worker for them. Uh, they send her out to this very remote English village, which is known as the happiest place on earth. And you, her job is to discover the real story behind why it's the happiest place on earth so they they send you out to like oh photograph these people they're successful see what they're doing in their jobs that makes them happy stuff like that copyright disney by the way totally gonna yeah. get sued for the happiest place on earth mm -hmm. i just i just want to say i was looking at the steam page we record very late it is 12 30 for me mm -hmm. and the I think Swery is streaming it right now <laughs> oh wow oh, really? it, like as we speak so it's it's wild because like it's a twisted version of all those things Michael was talking about before. Like, it's like, takes Animal Crossing, but then your character is incredulous. Like, wait, you're just giving me a house? Like, what's the, what's the deal? Yeah. Like, it, it kind of has a sense of humor. I was born yesterday, lady. But it takes all the stuff Swery had been exploring in, like, Deadly Premonition and just takes them to a logical conclusion of, like, well, those are sort of semi-life sims, but this just adds, like, gameplay system on top of the life sim. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, there's a camera game and this is how you make money. It's So it's sort of, like... It has the storytelling style of Deadly Premonition in this wrapper of like a kind of a bad Animal Crossing. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the main character actually made me think of like an anti Francis York Morgan, whereas like Francis York Morgan from Deadly Premonition is based heavily off of um, uh, the the FBI agent Cooper from Cooper. from Twin Peaks. The and pie guy. he's he takes an interest in people. He's always fascinated by everything around him. He's you know very just a very positive person. Whereas uh, Naomi, the main character in The Good Life, 
gets off the truck that takes her to this village, looks around at this perfectly manicured little English, like super quaint English village and says, what a goddamn hellhole. And then she's like rude to everyone she meets. It's like the most charming town. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a a writer who's a little bit full of himself. So she just starts calling him ego. Like, hey, ego, how you doing? And and everybody just ignores her insults. She's very unlikable as a yeah. main character. You're like, why Why do I care if you make money or repay your debt? Your 30 million pound debt? What is that? Like a, a kajillion dollars? It, it's, like, I, well, I'm not sure what the current exchange rate is, but I think of it as like a pound is roughly $2. So I, I was being facetious, uh, but yes, it's about two two and a half yeah. dollars per pound, depending. But yeah, I don't know. Brexit might have killed that, actually. Maybe. So, maybe. Yeah. I don't, I, like I said, I don't know what it is. But uh, well, racism has its downside. The, the, the twist... <laughs> Is that the town's real secret, which you find out very early on, is that, and I think was advertised in the Kickstarter materials, is that the people turn into dogs and cats at night during the full moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you will get abilities that let you do the same, but unlike everybody else, it's not tied to the lunar cycle. You can just turn into a dog or a cat whenever you want and take advantage of their various abilities. Like a dog can run really fast and fight off large predators, and the cat can climb walls and kill uh, rodents and find things that are high up above uh, the village. So you know what's funny is I got the tutorial tip for that system mm-hmm. before the game revealed the twist to me that the villagers turn into cats and dogs. Oh, it's really? like The tooltip is like literally it's like, yeah, villagers can be dog or cat people. So go back if you if you if they don't seem to respond well to you when you're one of these things. This is before it revealed that the villagers turn into dogs <laughs> and cats. And I'm like, oh, was, was that a joke they were telling because of this twist? But I guess it still plays into the game as a separate system. Like, hmm. weird. I've, I've read a lot of the reviews of this game, and after playing it, I have to agree. It's like, it has some really good ideas, but it's really rough in execution. Like, mm. the map might as well just Swear not be Swear he made there. this? I can't. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like every game he does. Yeah. Yes, but in this in this case, you have to interface so much with the systems, because it's a life sim game, where it's just like, oh, man, if you make a couple bad design choices in a game that's full of systems, you're going to uh, have a bad time. Yeah. I like yeah. spy fiction. Yeah, sure. That <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Probably had someone to rein him in a bit more back when he made that. Yeah, but I, I still think all his games are worth trying. Yeah. And like, yeah, if you're on Game Pass, but I, I do have to warn people. Like, literally, you you might browse by this game thinking it's like a mobile teen teenager life sim yeah. game. Like, it mm-hmm. looks like that yeah. in the art. It's, it's absolutely like, not. Like the yeah. First off, those are not her pet dog and cat that dress like her in the logo. Those are her in her <laughs> dog and cat forms. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I, I've said to you guys a couple times, like yeah, I feel like every sweary game, I adore the idea of it. Like I love the yeah. sense of humor and the the strangeness around them. But then, like trying to get into the actual gameplay, it never really clicks with yeah. me. Like, yeah, like, 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 I find when I find it funny hearing that Andy Kaufman read The Great Gatsby in its mm-hmm. entirety to an, a paying audience. But if I was in the paying audience, I would be miserable. <laughs> right. Well, for me, for me, it's like I, I love listening to Francis York Morgan describe the movie Cat People for two minutes straight. But do I actually want to skateboard around New Orleans or wherever it is? Deadly Premonition Two is set. <laughs> No, hmm. no, you don't. Hmm. No, you don't. And uh, I just saw a thing posted in the Laser Time Facebook community. It was that hard drive article labeled VGA. Uh, 
guy tries his best to prove he's not doing marketing for Microsoft's Game Pass. That's <laughs> yeah, us. And that is us. It's, it shouldn't be oof. It, it shouldn't be because I was talking to a friend in the driving in the car and he's like, yeah, this is like the the, six, the fourth time you mentioned Game Pass to be this year. I'm like, dude, you just said you wanted to play Back for Blood. I was looking at my couple my social media feeds. Everyone's like, oh, I got Back for Blood on, and then I see like a PS4 game. I'm like, yeah, I preloaded that days ago, and yeah. it just came to my. So I didn't pay another dime for it. Like, re- you really went out and paid sixty bucks for that? Holy shit! Get an Xbox. Uh, yeah, well, it came, the, it, like uh, yeah, here we are for shilling for Game Pass again. Yeah, but it's like it, it really is one of those things. Is like this seems like too good to be like true. Miracle. Like, this is this is like when Walmart comes to a small town. And it's like you're just going to keep the prices low till you kill off all the competition, right? And then you're going to jack it up, right? And so far they haven't. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was just the back for blood thing. Like people super excited about it, and like I forgot there were people in a world paying sixty dollars for a game that just came included in the thing well, I've already paid yeah, for. If you, this year. if you want to play it on anything except an Xbox, then yeah, you do have to pay. So, but I mean, just this is saying. the perfect. This is the perfect kind of game for a service like that. Like something that, like, if I had to go out and buy this game, I might have reservations. But it's like, yeah, it's on Game Pass. I'll totally play this to, to experience yeah. the latest story game. You know? No, I, I think that's. Again, not chilling for Game Pass. It's an important, like, important thing that like we get to try more games that we ever would have before. Yeah, here's a here's a game series I've only tried the first one, but I really liked it, and I'm I kind of just waiting for all of them to come out now so I can play through the all the chunks. But the mm-hmm. Dark Pictures released the latest in that series, uh, House of Ashes. I think as you're listening to this, comes out the same day, so uh, maybe we'll have thoughts next week. It's perfect Halloween type game. It's yes. it's the yeah. Until Dawn team doing another short horror thing. What I like about the Dark Pictures thing is they didn't have to make a huge 20 hour horror game. You know, it's like they just got to make three five-hour experiences so you get a little mm. bit of different flavor from mm. them, which is good yeah also very halloweeny uh corpse party now has a current gen version uh out the same day that we're recording this uh i am not entirely sure what's new about this edition because if if you know anything about corpse party which is a game that looks like it was made in rpg maker or something has like a 16-bit look about it um is actually a really gruesome uh horror game that it it feels a little bit like a visual novel but not really um surprisingly effective scares despite the simple cute graphics um but i yeah i'm uh it's it's now available on ps5 xbox series x and on steam again not for the first time on steam um but uh yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what's in, exactly is new about this beyond like you know what was introduced in like the 3DS and PSP and Vita versions. Uh, I think there are two new chapters, and beyond that, I'm not sure. But if you are a fan of Corpse Party and you want to spend like twenty bucks or less to play it, um, this goes back to '96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original mm-hmm. been around for a while. It's quite good. I'll say that. It's much better than it looks. <laughs> Put that in the box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I guess, yeah, for you NHL fans, NHL 22 came out this week. So yeah. there you go. What is it? NHL 22? Yep. Is it still hockey? It's <laughs> still hockey. It's lacrosse now, actually. This marks the, uh, hold on, let me do the math. Um, 22? It, this marks the 25th anniversary of the last NHL game I I got. I won for the Sega Saturn. 
NHL uh, 97 from Fox 49, my local Fox Kids affiliates. Nice. <laughs> I really want to do it like a laser time just about when you guys fell out of love with sports games because they were such a part of our 8-bit and 16-bit gaming vocabulary. It's like I never fell you just stopped playing them. them. What? Never. Yeah, not really. But but you I never did, played I, I Steel. Did, nope. I, oh, I love. I Blades of Steel had a fighting game inside yeah, of it. That before was the only reason I games. was even vaguely interested in playing Double Steel. Dribble. You didn't take advantage I of the sweet dribble. spot in Double Dribble. I love even like I remember like ten yard fight figuring out how I could exploit that and like yes. finish the game. And, uh, Tech yes. Mobile. Well, gotta be Bo he, Jackson. Here's here's what I think to answer your question. Uh, sports games at some point went from being like these very fun little arcade style experiences to being deeper sims where yes, and, yeah. and you you're expected to know about the sport and to like know the difference between like oh if you're uh, playing as the uh Chicago Bulls or the Utah Jazz what players would you want on your team etc cetera, etc cetera. it's like I don't care about any of that I'm not a sports dude at all so you gotta do a button hook pattern Michael yeah if I have, if I have to press more buttons at the same time to pitch than to like do a super devil trigger move and yep. devil may cry, mm-hmm. I devil I, may uh, cry. Greg, I, also I have a correction for every literally every statement you guys have said having played the recent sports games, but I'll I'll save it for me and the sports fans. Mm-hmm. They know they know what they were. I will say the, I've never enjoyed a sports game more than Ubisoft's Death Row. Death Row. Oh man, we made that. <laughs> it's a fantastic <laughs> game. Yeah, that's a great game. It's a, it's a, it's like a it's like frisbee it's like ultimate frisbee or you can kill everyone on the team. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have a copy Good of that times. somewhere. I should dig it out. Um Oh, it's a fun game. Anyway, I think that does it wow. for new releases, so let's move along to Boy, I think the favorite headline I've seen about this news item is, you can't just be consoles. You must be better, Atreus. Uh, mm-hmm. God of War is coming to PC. That's crazy to me. In January. I can, I can feel, feel the vitriol from here. Mm. That That's the one, Michael, you said would be the weirdest if Sony yeah. put well, God may- of War. Maybe Uncharted would be slightly weirder, but uh, yeah. God of War is like right out there. Like This is basically Sony, like placed one of the PlayStation's mascots at this point. Yeah, and, and kind of kind of the best first party game of the last generation. It's right up there. I noticed the one that the, the PC players are really clamoring for is like Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Put Bloodborne out there. We all yeah. love Souls games on PC. But I'm sorry, an IGN presented by Hulu uh, poll voted this the best game of all time ever True. made. Yes, in the <laughs> ever, history of humanity, ever ever. I think Uncharted is coming to PC, isn't it? Is it? Didn't they announce that collection coming oh, yeah, next maybe, year? Maybe maybe that was what prompted it, me saying, like, this is really weird. Um, both both are weird, equally mm-hmm. weird, but it's like Sony going, yeah, there's a lot of money to be made apparently on that PC, mm-hmm. so why not? It's so strange that just, like, Microsoft and Sony are both playing very nice with PC audiences, but in completely different ways. Yeah, well, it makes more sense for Microsoft because Microsoft uh, owns Windows. Yeah. Well, but Microsoft also plays nice with everybody. Like they are more than willing to put Minecraft on Nintendo. That's true. It's it's just like Sony's the one that's like, yeah, we'll do our thing in PC versus Xbox is like, hey, I'll, I'll publish my Bethesda games on your platform. Absolutely, right there. Whereas Sony still, like, are, are, where are they on crossplay at this point? Oh no, I think that's all done yeah. done with. I think I think 
pretty much any game that wants it can have it now. Don't quote me on that, but I don't play multiplayer online games. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wrong guy to ask, but we played Back for no. Blood last week together. And I wish we, we would did. do it again. It was it that was the way it was really fun. But yeah, God of War coming to PC in January. Um it's a very good game. It's I think it was our game of the year that year, wasn't it, Michael? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just say that, I won't even think too hard about it. Not Probably, mine. Yes. It was I believe what year was it? Twenty eighteen? The Corpse Party. Hmm, of course. Corpse Once party. again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people might be too busy to play that God of War on PC because Destiny 2 has another expansion, the Witch Queen, that's coming. But that's not what this story is about. This is about a little bit of controversy. So when the Witch King Queen comes out early next year, uh, there will eventually be two new dungeons added. But this is what's weird. Typically, the dungeons in the past DLC packs were kind of part of the base version of the pack. Uh, Bungie announced that the only way you will get the dungeons included is if you buy the deluxe edition uh, of the upcoming Witch Queen expansion. Like, you can't just get the base edition. Hmm. So you're basically paying extra for dungeons, which I think they've also said they will sell on their own. This is weird. As a guy, I'm a Destiny guy, and I, I pick it up every time there's a big expansion. Like, Bungie has been searching for the right pricing and monetization hmm. model. But things like this, like when you see them experimenting in real time, you're like, wait, this is something that was included with those expansions, which you're already usually charging us $40 for. And now you're pulling it out and wanting people to pay even more. Like, it's really tough when you build up like expectations. Go make a Halo game. And then switch it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go you make go. a standalone Halo. It's all pretty confusing to where like i don't even fuck with destiny anymore because like i don't really understand what any of this shit means you're losing your own con your old content oh yeah, and, the, uh, yeah the vault thing also people were getting mm. upset about because it was they were retiring expansions that were paid expansions mm. and so mm. it's like i guess people are forgetting well you did at one point probably pay for the base game but now that it's free to play that doesn't uh, maybe they don't think of it but like yeah literally you know they had like here's the forsaken expansion whatever that was 30 bucks 40 bucks uh, that content's just no longer available in the game while while it's retired. You know, uh, yeah. No matter who, no matter who or what you paid for it on, what edition you had, it's just mm -hmm. gone. That's, and, and that's uh, so whatever. I, I'm not. A lot totally, of MMOs go through that though. A lot of MMOs. Yeah, I, I, will, I'm will not do... lamenting that. That's there's some quality of life stuff there by getting rid of that. I think one of the reasons they had to do that it was um, the memory restrictions from yeah. from the consoles themselves. It's like yeah, our game's too big at this point. So. Shouldn't there be some kind of make good though if people paid for content that they've lost? This is like side it comes note, back. But when, when we were, it's like oh, the Disney Vault. Yeah, it's it's like every uh, few months. Like MMOs do this typically, where it's like, oh, this is out of commission for like three to six months, and then we'll put something else on timeout and we'll bring this back. It just feels uh, icky when you bought it through an expansion. You're like, oh no, no, I should always have access to that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is icky. Yeah, I was gonna say that I in in preparing for this podcast, I tried to download claire to my vita which i haven't played in years oh, um i heard they made and that discovered harder. that vita ps plus games are no longer downloadable on a vita apparently whoa Damn. and it's like man like I, not that i, I say was... that shocked having not turned on my vita in two years and don't <laughs> yeah, plan on doing but it, it like the, the principle years. like that's the hundreds of dollars of, of paid that's content weird. that you just mm. don't and I, I don't know if it's a universal issue but it seems to be a known issue with huh, no that's solution, not good. I mean, they don't support the platform good. anymore. I mean, they they, yeah. they they left it online despite saying like we're not going to. I don't know. It's it's icky. It feels icky. Mm. 
I feel bad for the cadre of homeless people still dependent on their Vita for games. I don't know. I don't know. I t- well, they didn't. I feel like that's something they should have notified PlayStation Plus subscribers of like, hey, after this point, you will no longer be able to download those games. Because I know I grabbed a lot of those games, even though I never owned a Vita, just in principle saying, oh, well, maybe yeah. one day I'll pick up a Vita for cheap, you know, and some retro game market and have those there for me to play. But it sounds like I won't. Which I think we can feel the least bad about your situation. I never owned a Vita, but these are my games. <laughs> oh, I mean, the next news item is that to a T, right? So oh, okay. I so, this is t- tough one to feel bad for anyone involved. So there's this brand, uh, D-Brand, mm-hmm. and they make, like, uh, skins for consoles, but they, they, they had made custom panels for the PS5 because people wanted a black PS5. They didn't right. like the kind of the white, you know, weird design. The problem was their original design was basically just like the same mold. They had claimed Sony hadn't like patented the engineering of that one part of the, the PS5. So they're like, we could just sell this. Eventually, Sony did get their trademark or whatever they needed for that and are saying, no, you can no longer sell that. And I'm like, but you, you, you still don't offer black panels. It's a little unfair. But like, fortunately, D brand had this alternate design in mind that kind of takes the Cadillac wings off the PS5 mm-hmm. side panels. It just kind of shaves them down. But it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird legal case. And I'm just like here to tell the legal story. It's like, yeah, D brand technically claimed they had the right to sell these things. And Sony didn't really make them take them off of stores until they got that patent for a thing that had already released. It's, yeah. but it, mm. it, it feels like a weird thing to talk about because so few people can get PS5s. They're like, fuck you, man. I don't want to hear this PS5 <laughs> well, I mean, story. I, I saw, I saw uh, D-Brand's tweet about it, and it's it's not just that, like... So it, it is sort of interesting, like, oh, the new faceplates kind of follow the, the contours of the center of the PS5, and they mm-hmm. don't branch off in wings, but they also have, like, holes over the fans, like, which the the intake fan, yeah, at, which yeah, they yeah. claim is like, this yeah. is much better for airflow. And I'm not sure exactly yeah. how true that is because I don't think Sony would intentionally design something that's bad for airflow. I don't think so. When either. cooling <laughs> is like one of the big, big uh, things about this system. Like if you take that apart, it is mostly a giant heat sink. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. But it's like maybe those holes are going to cause worse dust issues. Who knows? Yeah. But I feel like if you're buying aftermarket console parts, you kind of ex- maybe ex- there's a little risk there. Mm-hmm. Associated I mean, with my, my first PS4 doesn't work because what Michael and I did to the hard drive. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> Disgusting. Big, I said I was Disgusting. sorry. No, no. I mean, I have, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, in this in this era, they're just fucking iPhones. Like after yeah. three, four years, you might need another one. Basically. Well, I guess you can get away with that if you're Sony when you're up on top. And Sony now is the officially the king. Uh, PS5 finally broke Nintendo Switch's 33-month streak at the what? top of the U.S. hardware sales charts. That's a it's a long streak. I've still never very seen popular one. with scalpers. I have to admit. But that's the thing is like, yeah. who's buying these PS5s? Scalpers. No one can buy them. I, I did. I, I talked to uh, Adam from Purdue, Paducan. Um, has a Great arcade obscura episode up this week. Uh, he got his buddy in Seattle, like uh, something about maybe in like bigger cities, there are bigger grosses coming in. Or if you are reading all those really scary articles about supply chain shit and how we won't get Christmas gifts, how the Pacific is how these things are coming in. So it kind of hits the West Coast first mm-hmm. and it's easier to find new consoles out West. I'm not sure if that's really a thing, but like, 
that somebody in Seattle has ready access to PS5s where, like, I have literally never seen one in the wild. Never in my life. And it's, it's almost a year? Yeah. Yeah. Although I mean, it was a very <laughs> secluded year? year for most mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. Horrible <laughs> I've year? never seen, I haven't seen a lot in the wild lately. <laughs> it's, but it's, uh, I think to the point where Sony just did another big sign up to like give you the chance to buy a PS5 through PlayStation Direct through the holidays. Like they were taking a big chunk of sign up. So mm-hmm. they're just trying to go around the scalpers and sell them themselves at this point. Yeah. Like, I was, I was, ugh, I, a couple local, marketplace groups they were like oh look i'll give you 125 dollars extra for a ps5 that's all i can afford this christmas but my kids want one i'm like oh lady just try this please before you like make a plea to like give a scalper 150 mm-hmm. extra dollars just try this one will it work is this real like i'm a real person this is a really sony's website i i, I was just trying to help people <laughs> find ps5s um Despite me not wanting one yet. I, I do want to get another PS5. I mm. sold mine. Um, yeah, but. well, they're talking like the chip stuff might not be over until at least late next year, but maybe even yeah. going into 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be tough yeah, for cars a while, are but... fucked. Uh, even simple, anything made abroad is fucked. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Nintendo, I don't think they need that much help. They're, they, they're for the year the best-selling platform um so it's the perfect time for them to reveal their the cost of their new uh, expansion to nintendo online we haven't talked costs, about that yet it costs more than the base <laughs> subscription it's the 30 dollar expansion <laughs> i hate caring about this but it's just i saw that it's like oh yeah i don't whatever they ask that's i'll pay that that nintendo 64 games and genesis games are fun I and think I that's because you assumed like, it was five to ten dollars. I did, per month. <laughs> <laughs> or, or total. I, I mean, it's still what is it? Fifty bucks a year now? It's fifty total. But the so the base annual subscription for online, and I don't even care about the other prices because who is dumb enough not to buy the twenty dollars version? Like it's just yeah, you get a year for twenty. But now the expansion, which gets you the N sixty four access, Genesis games access. And access to buy those a Genesis controller through Nintendo, which still feels icky and weird to say. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I really want. I want. I want a new Nintendo sixty four controller. I really do. I'm not going to buy it, but I, that's all I really want. It, it basically just it's Nintendo's way of bringing their service in line with the price of like a yeah, but their service doesn't Plus. do anything close to the other services. It, it's it's ridiculous. It lets you play online, and you get free no, games. No, it doesn't. Remember, like they're old like games. Fortnite yeah, said no, and like games. okay, you can play Fortnite online without having to pay this fee. Hmm. Other I think games they have done know that, that too. which is why the service also includes a thing they announced. Basically, this it was at the Animal Crossing Direct. They announced this, the new paid expansion to Animal Crossing, which is basically like a variation of Happy Home Designer, which I am not happy about is included in that expansion upgrade. So that so thing by weird. itself would be 25 bucks. The expansion's 30 bucks. So Nintendo's expecting you to look at that and be like, look, I'm going to buy the Animal Crossing expansion. Fine. It's five more dollars out of them. Like, of course I'm going to do that. Of fucking course I'm going to do that. I hope they have an expansion every year. Am I right? <laughs> I just want to buy Sin and Punishment yet again for $10. Can I just do that? I, I just... what? Please provide me with an expensive legal way so I can play Winback again <laughs> um, which they have finally done oh, to be fair to them you know at least with animal crossing half of the new stuff is free you know so there's the big new paid expansion coming in november and then there's the, the other half is free stuff which 
we already knew they they confirmed Brewster and the Roost are coming to the game. Gyroids coming mm-hmm. back to the game. Uh, different villagers uh, are coming to the game. Uh, new hate, uh, captain, captain, the guy with the little ship, is coming to the game. So um, still no, still no Rosetti, which makes sense. You can't really reset this game. No. But yeah, so that's you know, if you just want the free update, it looks like there's a ton of content for you there. If you want to do the Happy Home Designer, which basically has you decorating like holiday homes for your villagers and what? being raided, <laughs> this, I mean, it's basically the premise of that Wii U game that nobody bought. Like that's that was that game. It's like here, just the the decorating aspect of Animal Crossing. That's all this is about, and that's sort of my least favorite aspect of Animal Crossing. Mm. Like I, when when you said that Wii U game nobody bought, like that when when that news first hit, like the where my mind went immediately was Amiibo. Amiibo party or Amiibo festival, whatever it's <laughs> oh, called. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Happy Home Designer. Yeah, Happy I, think, Home Designer. I think Animal Crossing had, other than Smash, had the most diverse crop of Amiibos of mm-hmm. any other Nintendo property. Yep. Even Zelda games got like three or four. Animal Crossing got a dozen. I have two behind it, me. I have Tom Nook and Rossetti. Actually, three I, I got Rossetti and like, I, and I was like, I, I, I will set the rest of this on fire. Fuck you. I, I miss Rossetti. <laughs> God, I hate Animal Crossing. God, I hate it. Uh, but yeah, I love it, and so I'm excited for the free update. And yes, I will. I'll buy the paid expansion because of that. It's basically five dollars less than just paying for the online expansion, so I might as well do that. Nah, so I'm, I mean, this is the first time I, I was just like, I remember I was talking to a buddy about it, and like, uh, well, you're not going to buy it, are you? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm not. Like, I, I just assumed I would, but like, I don't need this. I don't even use this that much. I, I definitely don't need the Genesis games. I have kind of the best of the Genesis yeah, in that I, Sega I have, collection. On, on, I have Genesis games on my f- legal, official Genesis games on my phone, on PS4, on Xbox 360, on Xbox One. I what games are you offering that I, I don't have access to? It doesn't make any sense. Well, like in those remixed versions of the games they do, like those are neat mm-hmm. one or yeah, two totally. times playing them, but then that's it. You know, it's like whatever. But it's so. not like they're adding online functionality for Street Fighter Championship Edition. Like, who get? But does that exist? Sure does. Free. It, it's. But it, I mean, for what it's worth, uh, as someone who's not gonna do like the upgrade, uh, you know, the, the Genesis has actually been kind of well curated in that there's oh, been yeah. a collection on almost every console since like the yep. PS2 or even Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it does tend to be the same games over and over that are canonized, you know, and it leaves out a bunch of classics uh, and just, like, weird obscurities and I, I think what they've shown already with the SNES stuff is that this time they're... We're gonna they're, prioritize Joe and Mac. <laughs> yeah, well, like, they're, they're doing deeper cuts, right? They, they are doing yeah. deeper cuts, yeah, they do and weird And maybe games. it'll be good for that, and there was, like, that rumor that, or uh, there was, like, a small headline a while back that Ranger X and Crusader of Senti had their trademarks renewed, and those are, like, Two, two games that are always skipped over in these collections, but I think any, anyone who still cares about the Genesis will probably tell you that Ranger X is one of its best action games, and Crusader of Senti is one of its best action RPGs, and the, uh, Senti in particular is very expensive to get an actual cartridge of now. Haven't so. they done at least one, like, a Japan-only release that then came to the States through Nintendo Online? Alien Soldier was... Although Alien Soldier has it was on the latest collection, so... 
Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, on the Nintendo side, I feel like there's a couple Japan-only games that now we can play through. So that's kind of cool. And if they have a few more of those for Genesis, that's a bit more compelling. Yeah. And that could go a long way. Did they not announce the Genesis games? Or all of them? Because they announced all all eight of the Nintendo 64 games, and I was just like, fucking groan. Uh, (laughs) Like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, the Rare Replay is kind of all I want to revisit for the N64. Not not just that, it's like, I just bought Mario 3D All-Stars, I have Star Fox 3D for the 3DS, which is a way more enhanced version than the Nintendo 64 version, like, what? And then, we got Mario Kart, and like, I forget if that works on people, because I didn't like Mario Kart 64, it's like the one I kind of didn't play a lot. Mm. Um, That means nothing to me, and then everything else is like, this is the loserest crop of losing games it's ever lost. <laughs> I, I, I'm not paying for this. Something slightly ironic is that just in the last week, uh, Glay Lancer, a Japan-only Genesis shmup, yes. Glay a fancy re-release on multiple platforms. And uh, back in the Wii era, that was one of a uh, small handful of games that had been Japan-only that were brought over to the American Virtual Console, which really, I think, uh, you know, enhanced the attractiveness of the Virtual Console when we oh, realized yeah. that we were getting stuff that America never got. Uh, so the fact that that's being, uh, presumably that will not be part of this service because it's, it's a standalone re-release, which is what well, I would have wanted. I, I get that because, like, and if you want to put a premium on that, if you want to pretend, God, the Wii was like, the Wii's Virtual Console was like the Criterion Collection if they were in worse resolution than when they were originally released. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was exciting. <laughs> and and that could be exciting, too, if you're a deep, deep Nintendo nerd. And it appears most people who give a shit about this are. So I'd, I, I'd well, I guess you're right, game. because a lot of those... Because Wii would have been 480p, but because mm-hmm. you didn't have the benefit of the CRT blurring, those games literally had to look worse yeah, on it, the Wii Virtual and, and the Wii U didn't help either. It made the Nintendo's yeah, first-party yeah. games look worse. So I'd say if you're like me and you're probably going to buy the Animal Crossing expansion, it's like five born bucks for that online. That hits October 25th. The paid expansion for AC hits November 5th. So very, very soon all this is coming. So, uh, yeah. You have a little I, bit of time just, to make up your mind. I just want to. I've never, I've never said anything like this before. I just want to feel a new Nintendo sixty four controller produced by Nintendo. I just never thought that would happen. The I I, I love the Switch um, Nintendo con- NES controllers they put out. They're fucking amazing. I have the SNES controller. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I almost really bought awesome. those because I. Well, I, I just hope that you can uh, slot the N64 and Genesis controllers into the side of the console so you can make I some horrible can't. Frankenstein. I bet you can't either. There was some tactile shit on the N64 controller that was great. Like, remember the trigger had just a little bit of give at the very end, the Z trigger? It, like, hmm. almost yeah. like, you know, remember the GameCube fucking added the spring-loaded trigger thing, which, make a GameCube controller, and I uh, I will easily pay for this expansion thing. <laughs> Did. You can still buy a GameCube controller at most Oh, uh, you mean sure. for... They use them for Smash, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But the, 60, the 64 thing is a thing of stupid beauty. Hmm. And... <laughs> I just wonder if it would if it would help them or hurt them to also have an a la carte option to just buy each of these games. You'd think it would help in the long run. Because I feel, I feel like most of these people that are in it for the Animal Crossing expansion or for the online play would buy it for that price... I think the virtual console showed them they can't do that again. And because nobody's 
purchases transferred over from uh, Wii to Wii U to now, I don't think they can ever sell a la carte again. But just as an option, even? You're right. It should be. It's dumb to not have it, it as be, an option. It would be just like Game ca- uh, Game Pass. Yeah. It's dumb to not have it as an option, which is probably why Nintendo will continue to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited, but that's, uh, that's all coming soon, and that is all that's fit to play. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our community segment, which is always a segmenting the community. Last week's question of the week was, what's an underutilized horror setting more games should use? Greg, you weren't here last week. Do you, is there a setting you would like to see more horror games? Don't say Well, podcast. like I was saying earlier, now that I, th- I feel like we can do forests pretty well, mm. I'm, I'm all for more forests. I guess I should play that game, The Forest. <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's, it's alright. <laughs> uh, maybe I won't play it. <laughs> uh, if you like, other... if you like survival games, it's pretty good. So, you know, okay, here's one. Uh, I like the movie Midsommar, and one of the things that's cool about it is it's a scary movie that almost entirely takes place in broad daylight in, like, a very calming setting. I think uh, more horror games that are in, like, less cliche, like, just, like, broad daylight, uh, outdoorsy kind of a setting i think that would be cool yeah the end it's <laughs> certainly be. shocking it's shocking yeah. to see that thing in full light you know when yeah. you see mm-hmm. that stuff. need need more horror games in the sunlight uh, mm-hmm. i mean the practical reason most horror movies are in the dark is it's easier to film and, and mm-hmm. fake the special effects <laughs> so to true. actually do yeah. it in, in daylight it requires more skill and That's better true. technology which we have also humans are just wired to be scared of the dark it's it's just yeah, a survival exactly. thing um but uh, on VideoGamePocalypse.com, first to respond was Trick the TM, who says, A convention center during an anime-slash-comic convention. Damn. I had this story rumbling around in my head for years, but the concept is that you are a regular person going to the con, being stalked by a cosplayer, and since it's a popular cosplay, there are many people around in it uh, in the design you would potentially have to avoid. Okay, that is just being a games journalist. You're stalked <laughs> at conventions by people in cosplay who follow you the yeah, whole time. Yeah, but you have that's... you have one specific stalker who's wearing a costume that lots of other people are wearing. Like that's actually more accurately, idea. that's working for a game publisher mm, at a con. You know, yeah, it's when you have yeah, your yeah. booth and you got the same dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Hey, Rash, new commenter Rash says, "I feel like we never see any horror games in a cemetery or mortuary. A whole bunch of fun places like carnivals and malls get turned into horror settings." But I rarely see some place a lot of people are already scared of. I was a funeral director for nine Whoa. years, and I had one friend who just would not come onto the property when we were meeting up to hang out. Rash, I maybe would say, don't ask people to come meet at the mortuary. Just, just throw <laughs> yeah. that one out there. I, I don't know. Watching Six Feet Under kind of removed any fear that I would have of mortuaries. No, but... I, I, Rash, I loved you in Battletoads, mm. and I, I also, <laughs> lo- I loved. I watched Return of the Living Dead this weekend, and I agree with them. That is such a fun setting, being stuck in a mortuary graveyard, mm. where a bunch of where the fucking corpses come to life and come crawling out of the ground. It rules. Yeah, just make a Return of the Living Dead game. Yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That we're overdue for that shit. Mm-hmm. The, the the closest thing, Greg, if you you can download a virtual pinball table, which is fucking hilarious and one of the loudest. <laughs> most obnoxious <laughs> pinball tables I've ever heard in my life. 
I'd like to see see Rockstar take a stab like they did the Ooh. Warriors. Oh, oh hell yeah. Great. Return of the Living Dead is... I respect Romero's Living Dead movies, but I have so much fun with Return of the Living Dead. It's fucking great. I've told you guys that was my first horror movie, right? That traumatized me as a kid. Huh. I, I was like, what, six when that came out? That's in 1984, right? Return of the Living Dead? Something like this that, is yeah. the right. one with the teenagers dancing uh-huh. on the gravestones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, friend next door neighbor... Uh, her mom took us to the drive-in to go see a movie, and it was this oh, movie. So it's this at night. I'm six years old. This was a double feature with Fright Night, uh, wow. the terrifying vampire oh movie. My God, that's I could not sleep that entire night. It it scarred yeah. like the fucking the that's the zombie who talks to him in the mortuary mm-hmm. as a kid was the scariest shit I've ever seen. In my see, life. I, I just imagine you staying up at night going like Chris Sarandon's under my bed. He's gonna come for me, <laughs> Jerry Dandridge. Oh no! I, we don't have a good uh, enough good Fright Night references. That's here true. <laughs> That's quite the double feature, though. I went to a yeah. drive-in when I was nine with my family. Waterworld and Species. <laughs> Not a good, I think good like double feature to be apart. trapped in a car with your mom. No. <laughs> But is that like your dad's going to fantasize about being Kevin Costner? Then he's going to fantasize about the woman in species. Yeah. Like what's going on with that? Hey son, you really want to fuck this alien as much as I do? I'm just kidding. Love your mom. Actually, it was just mom and my brothers. So it was, it was not good on a number of levels. Oh my God. That should be the question of the week. Your favorite drive in story. Cause I only have one. God, is that even a relevant topic for most people? It is. It's become more relevant now. I guess we just talked about we just talked about how much you would pay for N sixty four games. What do we <laughs> care about relevant? Well, most of the horror stories would be people at swap meets that used to yeah. be drive in theaters saying, "Man, I paid two hundred dollars for an N sixty four game. It was horrific." I feel like drive ins were on the way out before I was even a teenager. Oh yeah, so I don't know. They I had a brief resurgence <laughs> during COVID because it was like, "Hey, you want to be safe at a movie? Stay sure. in your car." I I did. A ridiculous amount of research. I, maybe, I, maybe I said this on another podcast. Into starting a drive-in during COVID, really? And uh, I'll tell you where I got. Where did I get hung up? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Building bathrooms is like a six hundred thousand dollar endeavor yeah. to just build yeah. bathrooms. You got like, well, to tap into fuck sewage. This. Fuck this. Yeah. Uh, never, never would I do that. Mm-hmm. Never would you ever. Uh, well, on Twitter, the vampire of time and memory at uh, EZL Kill says, Prisons. I love the suffering set on a prison mm. island. It was atmospheric and unsettling. There are tons of real-life prison stories and haunted prisons to pull from. The game inspired by Eastern State Pen in Philly. They even did a little doc about the prison as bonus. P.S. to Chris. I hope you are feeling better. I've had my appendix removed at 20, so I just had part of my large intestine removed two years ago. Mm. And, and I'm about to have a hernia fixed, so I know exactly what your recovery is like. Remember to walk for exercise. I have been. I was telling the guys that off mic. I yep. walk every day with the olds around the lake and around the park. Those three things, by the way, literally what Michael and I had diagnosed Chris with before he went to the hospital in his appendix. It just didn't, like, it, it, it didn't, it didn't fit all the like, uh, Again, because, like, the only thing I saw about appendixes was, was, was kid stuff. Oh, it hurts so much. It hurts so much. Like, well, it does hurt, but it doesn't hurt a lot. Uh, can't be the appendix. They do fall into that same category as tonsils of, like, yeah. kid surgery. Like, hey, yeah. I got my appendix removed. Mm. My tonsils. Like, how do, yeah, because we saw so much of that. I guess because people treated kids who came out of surgery weird. At some point, we had all these compassionate 
uh, tonsil, tonsillectomies and a, uh, I'm not going to say, what is it? A appendectomy. There it is. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yes. The booze is finally setting in. Um, appendectomy. Right when the show is over. We gotcha. We gotcha. Uh, Greg, you want to read this next one? At Shy Guy Fieri. Okay, so my answer for question of the week was going to be prehistoric times because I just watched that show Primal again and was all, that was awesome. But then I watched some Dua Lipa music videos to get myself hyped and it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I love this person. <laughs> and it was like, that's pretty hot. So then I thought of this idea. Okay, so remember that terrible movie Cats based on the terrible Broadway show Cats? Yeah. yeah. What if it forget? was like that? I've seen both. Where you are in a house... And you are playing as a mouse, but not like a real mouse, but a mouse person mouse. And you have to get away from this cat. But instead of a regular cat, it's like a super hot lady cat person. And it's scary, but it's also kind of hot because she's all super sexy with tits and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to evade her and sneak around a giant house. But if she catches you... She eats you, and it's scary, but it's kind of hot because she eats you all slowly, <laughs> and she's all moaning. Mm. I'm so glad I had Greg read this and you're, and, <laughs> and you're all sliding down her throat like, hell yeah. Wow. And it's someone, awesome. Someone just discovered their own vor fetish. <laughs> um, when, when eating, Greg, I encourage you to relax your throat. <laughs> I think, yeah, that fine line between hot and uh, terrifying... I think we've all felt it at one point. I kind of felt it with the June movies. I'm not going to lie. There is nothing shy about Shy Guy Fieri. Holy shit. (laughs) Very open. (laughs) And uh, Schnazzy one says, uh, I'd have to go with holiday settings. I want to see more horror set with the juxtaposition of decorations for something like Christmas or Fourth of July. It also uh, offers more opportunities for absolute chaos with people gathered together. Think like Gremlins, which I just watched. It's Halloween, Good and Christmas I watch it on Christmas. I love Gremlins. Always very effective. I think Division with the Christmas setting did mm. that. It was a nice juxtaposition of hey, shit hit the fan during the Dead holidays. Dead Rising Four. Dead Rising Four is yep. great. Yep. yep, at the mall at Christmas time, like it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Hmm. Uh, Leonardo Chavez on the official Laser Time community on Facebook says, "I would like to see horror games where I would be stuck on a passenger train in the middle of nowhere." Resident Evil Zero sort of covered this idea, but I'm thinking more of a creepy vibe of the unknown in each train car, similar to the animated show Infinity Train. What? Mm. Infinity so, Train? Yeah. So each car has its own vibe and world like setting going I on? I guess, yeah. Like, I like that idea. Right, kind of like uh, Snowpiercer, except Snowpiercer scary. or Jim Henson's Dinosaur Train, yeah. right, man? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all don't know Jim Henson's Dinosaur Train? Look it up, no bro. idea what no, you're talking dude. about. Uh, up, Patrick Gimbo says, I'm from Sudbury or Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, uh, where recently 39 miners were stranded underground at a depth of 1.2 kilometers, a.k.a. 4,000 feet. The lift system got damaged, so the only way up was a series of ladders that took an estimated 10 hours to climb. Mines are already claustrophobic, dark, and dank. Throw in some monsters and no working elevators. Sounds like a perfect horror scenario to me. Mm-hmm. Ten hours to climb ladders? Like, where do you Boy. take breaks? Like, holy smokes. Seems like a lot. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Hmm. I mean, it's a good idea. But, yes, mm-hmm. my heart goes out to those miners. 
I mean, have, have you not seen like the celebrity workout? Uh, is that ladder thing? I've never seen. I've never used one personally. Oh, Matt, I've used one of gym. those. Those are the hardest thing at any gym. They, yeah, they, it's like a treadmill, but a fucking ladder. Oh, uh, it's, at a forty-five it's degree rough. angle, it is fucking rough. It's like yeah, it's like playing a bad carnival ride for thirty minutes at a time. Because there's there's nowhere to go except <laughs> all four limbs just slide to the ground. There's no like you know on on, a, on an exercise bike you can just stop pedaling, rest your feet, treadmill, same thing. On one of those ladders, if you stop, you're just like a fucking cat just sliding have, down. You just have, have to fall like someone dying on a trapeze. <laughs> it's really bad. What, what was it? I think one of the only YouTube videos that I've ever seen that actually made me look away from the screen was first person view that this guy took climbing a like a, a cell phone tower in the middle of nowhere, and it's like this super super tall narrow structure that I think like was. You know, tethered by cables that went like, you know, hundreds of feet down to the ground in different directions and uh, just climbing it up. And it, it's, you know, very windy and you can kind of see the wobble and you can you get a clear sense for how high up this guy is. Right. And and like, yeah, he has to stop to rest periodically because it's so tall and you know, just like, you know, clips himself on to like a safety harness and then just like loops an elbow around one of the rungs and just hangs like that when he needs to rest. It's like, God, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> if you're afraid of heights, oh my God. Didn't yeah, you get the heebie-jeebies from that scene in The Last of Us 2 as well, like where it literally makes yes. you feel the heights? Like, oh. Yeah, because it, it it accurately mimicked the feeling of being that high up and, you know, get feeling like the wind blow through and shake a structure and make it whistle, and it's creepy. Yeah, I mean, I fucking hate that shit <laughs> I really do. I'm very afraid of heights oh my god yeah same uh new question of the week what do you think is the best animal companion type in games uh i'm gonna say robot dog because uh the blade wolf in metal gear rising revengeance was an amazing friend oh i thought that oh, was yeah. the keyboardist for guitar he's, wolf. he's a robot who can talk and has a chainsaw tail and also, uh, Rex the Cyberdog from Fallout New Vegas. Uh, you have to find, like, he's, he's getting old. You have to find a new brain for him or possibly a new body. I forget, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, he, he's, he's a very rewarding companion to have around. That's a good one. I, it's like D Dog from Metal Gear Solid mm -hmm. 5. He's not quite oh, yeah. cyber, but he's got the knife in his mouth, yeah, right? That's true. Like, he's yeah. a dog that knows how to use tools, which is weird, and wears clothing. He's I got an eye give, patch. Mm -hmm. I want to give a big shout out. To the animal companions in Castle Crasher. Hmm. Do you remember those? No. Um, you could have, like I think there was like a something? goat. Hmm. Well, there was multiple kinds, but like I think you could have a goat that would like headbutt your They were they were super cute, and they'd float over your shoulder like they were like a balloon you got at the fair. But then like the goat would just like a uh, uh, headbutt enemies, and uh, 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 other ones would like collect your uh, money around the screen, so hmm. you wouldn't have to run over to areas. Uh, they were all super fucking helpful and adorable <laughs> and floated over your shoulder, but had different abilities. And I just love talking about Castle Crashers. When I think of animals in Castle Crashers, all I can think about is the deer that uh, shits Propelled itself off screen. Ship. Yeah, just yeah. A, a jet of fear diarrhea. <laughs> flies I feel away. like MMO players alone would have so many choices in this, you know, with mm -hmm. like all the little the oh, yes. mobs that follow you around. But I... So I've been playing a lot of Far Cry 6 lately, and what I found about myself is I do have kind of two 
things I tend to choose. Like I like the the big cats, like the jaguar in that game, because they they do the, the stealth kills really well, but they also mm-hmm. can help detect stuff. But I gotta go back to dogs. Like when you get yeah. Boomer or Boom Boom, boom in this boom, game, yeah. like because they do what we were talking about earlier in horror games. Like they're always when you have them as companions in games, they flag the enemies for you, mm-hmm. which is so nice and convenient to be like, oh, okay, I don't have to scout this location. My dog will just pick up on where they all are. Typically, they they can attack, and I mean, Chorizo, the fucking dog in Far Cry Six, is yeah. the best companion dog in any game ever. He's in a wheelchair; and it's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. It's the second companion I unlocked, and I've never used another one. I don't want. Don't no, want he's to. adorable. He also heals you. He gives you an yeah. auto heal if you pet him mid battle. It's like oh, find you shit. I don't. I don't need help on the battlefield anymore. But like, thanks for finding me this thing, man. Thanks for healing me. So yeah, it's it would be big cats, but I gotta go basic with the dogs, baby. They're the best. Miss Biscuit. We're basic dog people on this show, I guess. <laughs> now, you were ninja dog, at least. You're That's dogs true. that could use tools. Cyber dogs. I've got one. Okay. All right. Bring it. Dolphins, or maybe oh, whales. Sure. But, okay, you have, you have like, a horror game, and it's underwater, mm-hmm. mostly, and you're a human. So the danger, like in Dead Space or Deep Fear, is that there are sequences where you're without air for a while. But you've got a dolphin companion who like shows up sometimes and can and can you swim you to make safety. out with him a little bit. And Here, can, put like, your mouth on my you blowhole. Pop the zombies <laughs> with its dangerous beak. Uh, or it could be a whale that can just like devour shit. But when you don't have the whale with you, it's super dangerous and it's like a power. It's like a power dynamic thing where some most of the time you're super vulnerable and then sometimes you're the biggest creature on the planet. That guy just has a whale to compensate. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might feel better in a game like Subnautica if I had, like, a dolphin or a, an orca along to sort of warn me of danger and watch my back. That is some C-Lab bullshit right there, like your dolphin companion. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think you mean Sequest, rem- but yes. Okay, yes, yeah, sorry. That is some I'm C- reminded of, uh, God, that way forward Batman Brave and the Bold game where you had, could have an Aquaman as a companion and just, like, he had a screen clearing like ho and he would like call in whales to co- <laughs> like take over the level. Damn. It's <laughs> kind of what he's good for, game. man. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he's good for. God, it was funny. It still makes me laugh. Damn it. <laughs> he's like Damn the it. superhero that just borrows the powers of other animals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you Here, go fish, go take fish. care of this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Aquaman is the squirrel girl of the deep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I don't yeah. care how cool Jason Momoa has made him appear to you. Mm-hmm. He's, he's lame. Yeah. I love Aquaman. All right. So what do you think is the best animal companion type in games? Let us know. Go to VigiGameApocalypse.com. Answer under the comments for episode 442. Alternately, you can visit us on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will collect the best answers to read on next week's show. Anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, Greg, once again, tell us about your streaming. Yeah, check me out at twitch.tv slash lacquerware. I'm also on Twitter at lacquerleaks. Uh, and I'm translating the game Bulk Slash for the Sega Saturn. You'll be able to play it uh, sometime in the next few months. I hope. Nice. It's the only way I buy my slashes, Greg. In bulk. I tried to find that on eBay a little while ago, and it was like something like two hundred dollars. And I'm like, I might find other ways. Yeah, it's it's gone up in price. (laughs) Maybe Greg will give me a code or a ROM. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even have a complete version myself. I have a manualist version that I bought in like 
2007 when it was still affordable. God damn. Uh, Laser time, this show, 302010, leave me alone. Speaking of 302010, we have a new 302010 games which we just recorded for Mm -hmm. July, so we're playing catch up, but it's a good one. We had a lot of fun on that one. We talk about games like what, Catherine was on there from 10 years ago. How it was a total bait and switch. It's like, oh, we think we're getting a sexy anime sex game, and instead it's about a man in his underwear jumping on cubes. Instead it's Cubert. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's Cubert. Cubert. Yep. Anime Hubert. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, that is only available at patreon.com slash laser time at the $5 or more per month level. Uh, and that'll be posted pretty soon. We're working on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check that out. All right. Well, as always, you can visit us online at vidgamapocalypse.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or follow me personally at Wikiparas. That's W-I-K-I-P-A-R-A-Z. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. You know, there was a thing in the 90s that, like, maudlin, like, self-destructive rock. Every Goo Goo Doll song and every Jim Blossom song. Yeah. Just waste away with me. (laughs) It's like, that was like a whole genre (laughs) unto itself.